0: Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 197 of the Bodybuilding Dietitians podcast. You're joined by myself, Jack, and Tiara Nelson. And Tiara's just wrapped up the first half of her comp prep, or the first portion of it, phase one. And uh, it's been quite a remarkable experience for her. So, thought we'd reflect on that today. And because that's going to be a lot more interesting than another few weeks in the off season for me. So Um, well let's start I'll be quizzing her today on a few aspects of her prep and she doesn't really know what the questions are so and I don't really know what the questions will be either so it'll be a fun experience
1: (laughs) well I'm looking forward to it but hey I am going to add a little bit of rebuttal there I do think the improvement season is quite remarkable my man so I think that you are still continuing to have one hell of a time
0: Mm. yes well um I guess we'll start off with just a bit of an overview of like what what is this dieting phase that you're doing for any of the newer listeners and just give people a bit of a background so far.
1: Yeah. So I have alluded to this on previous podcasts before, but hey, if you are tuning in for the very first time to the TBD podcast, welcome. Thank you very much for having us in your ears or heck, maybe we're even on loudspeaker. But You know, this prep, I've actually chosen to take a bit of an unconventional approach to comp prep because as we know, it's pretty stock standard these days to have a prep that's in the realm of 20 to 25 weeks long in duration where you're basically chronically dieting the entire time toward your first show date and then undertaking a comp season where you hopefully have a number of shows lined up because you know, if you're going to go to that much effort to diet, you always want to get on stage at least more than once.
0: Mm. Yeah.
1: And this is now my fourth competition season. So I have undertaken three comp preps in the past. And in the past, I've always taken that traditional approach. I've dieted for well over 20 weeks straight to that show one and continued on with competition season. And heck yeah, you know, it works, it gets the job done. I think that there's a hell of a lot of proof to support that for a number of competitors out there. But I know that for me personally, I've always just felt in my gut that undertaking that approach for me as an individual, it's just never quite delivered my absolute best physique to stage. I could say that would be for a number of reasons, right? You know, taking three comp preps still at a fairly young age, all of them, fairly under-muscled, every single one, still getting new experience, but still not a professional in this sport yet. But at the same time, I feel as though for my own body, if I chronically diet for that long, at the very end of the season, I just kind of lose my pop. I've always just faded away. I think that I really have lost a little bit of muscle toward the end of prep, and I genuinely think that there is probably a better way to go about it. So. This prep, I've decided to be my own little guinea pig, in a sense, and take more of an unconventional approach to prep. So what I'm doing is I'm still going to be dieting for an entire duration of 25 weeks or more. What I've decided to do is actually split it up into two chunks. So my first show will be next year, season A of 2024, on the 21st of April. And rather than starting 25 weeks out from that show and just dieting right until that peak week, what I decided to do is start my diet a little bit early, still at a very similar body weight at which I would start a comp prep. So I started this prep at 69.1 kilos, and I am estimating that my stage weight's going to land anywhere in the realm of probably 57 to 59 kilos come April and May for those shows. But what I decided to do was start a few weeks early. So I actually started my prep on the 4th of September and I decided to enter into a dieting phase and get about 50% of the work done. So that's essentially what's happened over these past 11 weeks is that I dieted from 69.1 down to this morning, a new low of 62.9. And I've gotten that first 50% of the weight off. Then what I'm planning to do is then enter into a maintenance phase over these next six weeks or so, bring my calories back up, rejuvenate myself a little bit, keep my body weight within a buffer range of about 500 grams, and then come 2024, finish what we started, kickstart prep again, and then continue to diet toward those shows with only a few kilos to lose. If I'm going to be starting my prep in 2024 with still three and a half months until show number one with probably only about let's say five kilos or so to lose, I think that's going to be a far less stressful environment and circumstances in those final stages of prep where a lot of people do find themselves really just racing toward the finish line and taking quite a few drastic measures in terms of very low input, very high output, really just trying to get that last smidge of body fat off. I really want to essentially be ready early, coast into that show, be feeling good, and I really think that is going to deliver then my absolute best look to stage as well because that's going to allow me to not have to take any drastic measures in terms of really reducing my calorie intake or I'm not going to be coming off, you know, five months of dieting. So training performance is pretty lackluster at that point because I've just been a low energy availability state for so long as well. The mental fatigue that prep takes on you too. So I think that reentering into that phase next year, only a few kilos to lose feeling pretty damn rejuvenated, starting off from a higher calorie base as well. I've got high hopes for it, Jack.
0: Mm, Yeah, you've certainly um, given a very solid rationale there for it. And yeah, I'm very interested to see how it goes because it's, as you said, it's not a conventional approach. Mm. And I think there are a number of reasons for that. Like one, uh, often probably the average bodybuilder, even for bodybuilders who are quite dedicated, like dedicating that much time to a prep is probably quite difficult for them because you're doing, you're drawing it out for such a long time, and I think that would also partially contribute to mental fatigue as well, because you are going to be, even for that diet break, you still are going to be maintaining a lean composition, and that's gonna to contribute to overall fatigue and, and, and mental fatigue as well. So these are all things that you'll be learning on the journey. Yeah, I yeah. guess
1: when you think about it, right now I'm 22 weeks out from that very first show, and considering I started this dieting phase 11 weeks ago, It is if someone was to take that sort of approach from the start to the finish with no breaks or heck hopefully you get a a refeed in there or a diet break somewhere but it is 33 weeks out from show one so -hmm. of course you know have to take that into account in the case of like could someone really dedicate themselves to that and know in their heart that they are going to be able to execute it without any sort of hiccups i just think that personally i'm a pretty good advocate for it because day in day out regardless of the phase this is my lifestyle and I know that this is what I do and I'm also you know, not a single woman I've definitely got a loving partner <laughs> but I don't have any dependence I am a sole trader I'm very in control of what I do and when I do it on a daily basis I'm incredibly independent so I recognize too that I'm in this position in my life where I can take full advantage and be able to execute a prep like this but I fully understand that not everyone would necessarily be a good candidate for this style of prep, Mm. but hey, some people might. And that's what I would love to try to demonstrate this prep. And you know what, you know, maybe I'll put up two hands right now and just say, it's all gonna go to shiz. It's gonna end up terribly. (laughs) Shouldn't have done it, man. (laughs) Joey, why did you agree to this? (laughs) But at the same time, I'd love to be a guinea pig in this sense. And if it does go well, then potentially it actually opens up people's eyes to be like, maybe there's another way. Maybe not every bodybuilder has to take this stock standard 25 weeks out. Let's go. Let's Mm. diet. Maybe you can do it in chunks. Something that well,
0: you are essentially doing mimicking a pre-prep phase and then a prep Mm. because you didn't run a deficit in a pre-prep phase. Mm. You just started from your off season and your, your past diet before that was quite a long time ago. So Mm. I mean you are somewhat replicating pre-prep maintenance prep
1: in a sense yeah but then the pre-prep diet is getting me far closer to my predicted stage weight compared to the average mm. i'd say that most people Well, you're still d-
0: roughly what like a little under 10 percent over stage weight mm,
1: yeah most people probably wouldn't be starting a prep five to six kilos above stage weight it definitely depends on the individual
0: yeah but mm. i would also say that because of that The feasibility of someone starting prep Mm. like you have would be quite difficult because like they would need to do literally like a pre-prep and then do this first half of prep that you've done then the maintenance phase then Mm. prep. because you naturally just maintain a leaner body composition similar to me but someone who pushes up what like like the equivalent of you pushing up to the high 70s like you would then need to go from the high 70s down to like High 60s in your pre prep, and then do this first half of the prep, get down into the low 60s, and then the final bit. So, yeah,
1: well, as an IFBB bikini athlete and ICN fitness competitor and WNBF bikini competitor, I can definitely say that pushing my body weight up that high that would be pretty irresponsible.
0: Yeah, it would be.
1: (laughs) And I would hope that you'd be like, Tiara, gopher status is to the max, you gotta Mm. pull back.
0: Yeah, the cheeks would be um, quite full at that point, <laughs> both set of cheeks, I guess.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I am happy to report that uh, I am no longer gopher status. <laughs> These cheeks are looking a little less chub.
0: Mm, for sure. <laughs> uh, so how much have you come down by in the last 11 weeks or so?
1: Yeah, so body weight started off at 69.1 kilos. The goal was to get down to 63 kilos. And happy to report that this morning surpassed that by a whole 100 grams. Weighed in at 62.9, and tomorrow that's when I enter into my maintenance phase. So yeah, really, really happy with those results, and it's it was quite interesting actually. Like throughout the entire 11 weeks, we actually only had to make one drop in nutrition and in calories because. Prior to starting this prep, I was holding myself in another type of pre-prep phase. I was purposely holding myself at a maintenance body weight, just really establishing all of my routines, my behaviors, everything with my nutrition, the types of foods that I was intaking, just my training, everything was very set. But essentially what Joey and I were doing was we were holding me at a maintenance phase at the low 69 kilos for about four to six weeks and we were just progressively just trying to get as much food into me as possible and see how much i could positively metabolically adapt in that Mm, sense without gaining weight yeah (laughs) so you know really getting my metabolism on fire Mm. uh so i started off this prep calories were like in the mid 2,800. so I believe carbohydrates were around 400 grams, protein was around 175, and then fats were around 60 grams per day, and that had me starting off at 69.1. Then we did quite a dramatic drop by just over a 1,000 calories down to We cut carbs in half, so went down to 200 grams of carbs. We went down to 45 grams of fat and 140 grams of protein. And I was actually able to ride that out for 10 weeks. Those exact same macros, basically only exact same set meal plan that I created myself. And that got me down from 69.1 down to 63.7. Then in that final week, I did hit a plateau, which is totally normal. So reached out to Joey and I was like, hey, (laughs) can can we just do one final little nudge? Can I just modify a few things with my nutrition to bump things down by about another 100 calories? absolutely he was on board and encouraged it so that we could push down to this goal of 63 in this final week so just simply modified a few things in my meal plan and brought carbohydrates down to 180 grams brought fats down to 40 grams protein stayed around 140 and that little nudge in these past six days alone pushed me down from 63.7 down to 62.9 which was pretty awesome you know i was very happy with that And at the same time, too, you know, 800 grams, that is over 1% of my body weight just lost in that week. It also goes to show, too, that the week prior, when I had hit that plateau of 63.7, I could still see my physique changing. I still felt like I was in a calorie deficit. And, you know, I didn't let it bother me because I knew that things were happening behind the scenes and I was gaining compound interest then once we did that little calorie nudge that was really reflected on the scale and it went whoosh and uh that 800 grams fell off which is good so yeah about 6.2 kilos in total over these past 11 weeks
0: Mm -hmm. yeah very nice and compared to previous dieting phases what do you think were like some of the biggest Practical changes like to your actual sort of approach to nutrition and also like mental changes as well kind of Going through this diet.
1: Wow, that is a big question (laughs) It's it's interesting because I feel like I've already done this first phase of prep twice Because I spent so long in the improvement season two and a half years I felt like I had so much time to mentally prepare myself for exactly how I wanted this prep to pan out and essentially first I did it in my mind and then I did it in real life. And I can honestly say that it's been just as enjoyable and as rewarding as I truly envisioned. So I just set myself up on a plan and then I trusted the process, as cheesy as that sounds, and it just happened, Jack. It's just been it's been so smooth sailing. It's been quite remarkable, to be honest. I think the biggest thing that really changed for me is simply just in terms of nutrition, doing a really solid drop right from the get-go, recognizing from past dieting phases, learning from those is that, you know, even if I'm maintaining my body weight on 2,800 plus calories, if I do a traditional drop of 500 calories, which on paper, yeah, technically someone should be in a deficit, I'm just going to adapt. So I need to be more aggressive right out of the gates to really start seeing results. So that's definitely something that I took on board immediately in terms of get myself into a deficit that I'm wholeheartedly sure this has me in a calorie deficit with this amount of food that I'm eating. So that's a really big thing. Another big thing was just not letting myself get any sense of heightened food focus and just getting myself onto a set plan with foods that satisfy all of my nutrient requirements, foods that I digest really well, and foods that obviously I enjoy but also aren't so delicious that they leave me a little bit crazy and just wanting more and not making any modifications to the nutrition plan unless I had a change in macros. So basically for the, the, for the first 10 weeks, I ate the exact same thing for breakfast, lunch, and afternoon snack and dinner every single day very happily and just it was so stress-free because I was so confident in the fact that as long as I follow this plan I'm basically guaranteed the result and that was just like immensely satisfying which was fantastic so that's a really big thing in terms of training as well I think that in past dieting phases I've given into just that lack of energy that you feel in the gym sometimes. And sometimes I would let that justify changes I would make to my training program and modifications in terms of like, oh, you know, I am feeling pretty freaking exhausted I just don't think that I can quite match this same weight for my Smith machine lunges or for my RDLs or for my dips, whatever it may be. So what I'm actually going to do, because the idea of lifting this sort of load is giving me immense anxiety, I'm going to slightly reduce the load and I'm just going to do a few more reps. So in the past, admittingly, I wasn't nearly as tough and you know, strong willed and really headstrong in the gym. And I would give into those sensations of just low energy, fatigue. And I would let that, you know, really get to my training, which again, admittingly, it reflected in my physique. So that's a big thing in terms of prior to starting this dieting phase. I was just going pedal to the metal in those final few weeks of the improvement season, like really, really pushing myself in training to achieve some very top numbers that In the past I didn't even know I would have actually been capable of of lifting for some of my big compounds and those lifts despite the amount of calories I was eating gave me immense lifting anxiety I was so nervous to try to just conquer them but I did it and I really pushed myself outside of my comfort zone talking about like I would be standing in front of a Smith machine bar with 110 kilos loaded knowing that I had to do six reps, just standing there before I'd even attempted the lift, looking at my heart rate on my watch, and it was like rising into the 130s before I'd even lifted the weight. Like that is ridiculous. Just the nerves and the adrenaline. So what I did was I really secured some of these really big numbers during my improvement season. And then when I entered into this dieting phase, I didn't necessarily put that sort of pressure on myself to keep chasing PBs and keep chasing loads because more of the mindset that I took is like, okay, I know that I was going to like an insanely high RPE and a very high level of training intensity during the improvement season. And essentially, if I want to maintain the muscle mass that I have, I'm enough of a trainee now that I'm not going to be making newbie gains in a dieting phase anymore. I'm just definitely not at that level. Like fortunately I believe I've surpassed that, but more so the fact that I know that entering into this prep I essentially have all of the muscle mass on me that I'm going to be stepping on stage with. Probably like (laughs) 97.3% and The whole goal now that I'm in a dieting phase is to maximize fat loss and to maximize muscle retention. So what I said is that if I still have that muscle and I'm still maintaining that muscle, I should still be able to match these lifts. So that's what I've done these past 11 weeks is the sense of like, just really grit my teeth and just knuckle down. And I showed up every single day to all of my training sessions and I gave it my absolute best effort. And I'm so proud of myself for being able to match those sort of lifts. It's it's quite remarkable to me, to be honest, to be like Smith machine lunging at now 63 kilos or 62.9. 110 kilos or barbell RDLing yelling 110 or doing you know sets of 8 to 10 with dips with a 15 kilo plate all these big things and i think it's a huge reason why i've been able to keep high expenditure as well during this dieting phase too which in the past. And it just makes sense if you are pulling back a little bit with your training. Training is a massive golden ticket for you to be expending energy during the day, lifting more weight for more reps. That's going to burn more calories. That means you're probably going to be able to eat a few more calories too, if you can really maintain that sort of strength. So that's been a massive thing for me and i'm i'm really just very just proud of myself compared to past dieting phases for not letting myself you know just be a bit weak-minded in the gym and really holding on and i i truly believe that is a primary component for why i am going to look so drastically improved next time i step on stage compared to my previous packages Mm.
0: yeah i think training is is definitely one of the most difficult aspects of dieting if if you Hold yourself accountable to your performance in the gym and your execution then um, it is incredibly difficult and often people will just as you said just decrease the load or like see training almost as something like cardio where they they just get through it and they don't necessarily push themselves mm. um so yeah. yeah and you can you can tell who's been training hard throughout the whole prep and who's just given up at the start
1: Absolutely. And I refuse to fade away at the end of this prep. Like, I, and I refuse to even have the mindset or ever even dare say, unless I'm going to say it right now, you know, just getting it done. I really don't like that attitude. Like when I show up to the gym, I have a job to do. I'm going to do it well. I'm going to give it my absolute best effort. No matter how tough it feels some days, I am going to really just give it my all Because if you do start to develop that mindset of, Oh, I'm just, just, you know, the hardest parts just showing up, (laughs) just getting it done. No, man. You do that for enough training sessions and you really will start to fade. Mm. Do you have the goal of stepping on stage one day in the best shape of your life? And most importantly, want to enjoy the journey along the way, or perhaps you're not a physique competitor but still want to take your health strength and body composition to the next level and learn more about training and nutrition. If this sounds like you, then please don't hesitate to read about our coaching services in the links below. We would love to help you achieve your goals. Enjoy the rest of the show.
0: So moving on to another question, obviously food focus is something that people often experience in dieting phases. I wouldn't. You're not exactly a normal human. Like even even in previous dieting phases, I would say your food focus has been quite low. But um, how has your food focus been this dieting phase?
1: Yeah, very minimal to say the least. And I think that is also going to come with experience. But I also think, you know, I I'm am a bit of a unique circumstance. You know, I've I've definitely had my years in the past where I've had to conquer and overcome and really face those battles and I'd say suffered through very disordered eating habits for a number of years had to go through all of those years of university and educating myself on nutrition now in our line of work as dietitians and as bodybuilding dietitians our job is to talk about food every single day so It's quite interesting, like the combination of all of those things and being a physique athlete myself, I have almost mentally trained myself to just become desensitized to food. I just see it for what it is, you know. I still love food, don't get me wrong, like food makes me feel fantastic. I love going to the discount fruit market and loading up a cart with a whole bunch of colorful fruits and vegetables. Eating whole foods makes me feel amazing but when it comes to just accepting the fact that if you want to achieve certain results you need to do certain things i'm more than happy to accept that happily and just get myself set up on a plan eating specific things no complaints and if it satisfies my goals and it achieves the results then man that's ultimately all i want you know i've always said that i definitely want to be more goal focused than food focused but just being able to almost desensitize myself to food, it feels like a superpower. I'm telling you, like, imagine the physiques that would be on stage if people could just wrap themselves around just eating the foods that are, they've said that they would set out to eat that when they're on a specific plan. People would be so muscular, so shredded, if they could just mentally get their head around food. And I'm telling you. I honestly
0: disagree with you on that. I think, the Really? Ma- yeah, because I think the majority of people who step up on stage have some sense of, of that. Like, mm-hmm. maybe not post-show, but like within the season, they can do a bit of an all or nothing mindset and be like, okay, I'm going to stick to a plan. Sure, there are of course going to be people who cheat and who don't do that. But mm-hmm. like, for example, our clients, for example, all of them, they, they stick to the plan and they consume what they intend to consume. Yeah, uh,
1: but... I'm talking about long-term, I'm I'm really talking about like, if you want to be in this sport long-term, sustainably, have a really good relationship with the sport, with food, with your body, you want to enjoy the process wholeheartedly, and also you want to keep showing up legitimately at your best and you want to take it very, very seriously, we know that what you do in the improvement season heavily dictates how you're going to look in your competition prep and i would probably slightly disagree with that in saying that a lot of people still can't quite manage themselves around the food front right Mm. and again each to their own but like one day i really want to be a professional athlete in this sport i already treat myself like a professional and the cases that i see that's probably what separates the people the most at the top the people who really do the things day in day out for a year-round sport but I'm just saying for me, it does feel like a little bit of a superpower in a sense where I can shrug my shoulders and I'll be like, it is what it is. It's legitimately just food. I don't let it bother me and it feels amazing. It's so freeing, especially knowing that I've come from a background where I used to be obsessed with food. I would cry over food. I had immense disordered eating habits. Like I was all consumed by food. And to not feel like that anymore on the completely other side of the fence, I'm like, wow, this is so nice. Like my, my head just feels so clear and I can actually focus on what matters.
0: Mm. Yeah. I, I think we could probably unpack that more, but, uh, (laughs) like for example, I think training is probably more important when it comes to the upper echelon of. Or bodybuilders mm. and achieving professional status, and then above training is genetics. So, like I'd put nutrition at at the bottom of that three tier, personally.
1: Mm. Yeah, I I think that's why we're called the bodybuilding dietitians. That's why our logo is legitimately fifty percent weights, fifty percent food, because you have to have both in unison, and it's it's a combination of both if you want to get to the highest of heights. Mm. But. Yeah. Um, <laughs> not dismissing neither matter, but uh, I would I would definitely say that I think on both the training front and the nutrition front, a lot of people they just need to keep at it. You know, keep working, keep improving. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, to really minimize my food focus this prep, having myself on a set plan where I'm like, okay, cool. These are my macros for the day, and these are the foods that I'm going to eat for breakfast, lunch, dinner, and a snack. And basically, every single day for breakfast, I've had some cream of wheat, which is some chia seeds. Wait, I can,
0: I can do this. I can list what you've been eating.
1: Okay, go for it.
0: So breakfast has been the cream of wheat.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then alongside that, you have some chicken, some eggs, and some cheese. And then... And then you have some piece of a piece of fruit or something at the, <laughs> then as well. <laughs>
1: this is already not detailed enough for Tiara Nelson.
0: <laughs> and then post-workout, you have some oats with an ice cream. And then after that, you have some... Well, at the start, you had some corn thins and some sardines. But now you're having two oranges instead. And then for dinner, you have basically some vegetables with uh, some kangaroo.
1: Very good, my man. You're very good at observing. Not quite comprehensive enough, though.
0: <laughs> I would say I got nine out of ten things there.
1: No, yeah, definitely. I I think uh labeling the main food groups, <laughs> but I guess just to give a little bit more detail, right? Uh, yes, chocolate cream of wheat with wholemeal flour raw cocoa and chia seeds, 90 grams of chicken breast, one egg, so definitely not eating more than one egg, (laughs) and about 15 grams of mozzarella. And then the fruit is just, I've been having a little grapefruit and then a little apple. And then post-workout is that 100 grams of oats with 10 grams of linseeds. And the nice cream is 150 grams of frozen strawberries and 30 grams of casein. And then yeah, you got that right. <laughs> those corn thins and sardines, how good. Uh, but yeah, since I've done my little macro drop just this past week, uh, cut out those corn thins cause they were a bit higher in carbs. And then I just cut down six corn thins instead to just two little oranges. And then at dinner time, basically just been having some green beans, tomatoes, carrots, some mushrooms, and a bit of kangaroo and I was having some avocado previously as well, about 35 grams, but this past week to slightly drop down my fats, just reduced that a little bit too. So, there you go. Plus, you know, chucking about five grams of creatine per day and uh, there's there's your plan.
0: No fish oils?
1: No fish oils, because that's why I have the sardines. Right. Yeah, sardines, they just like, they take so many things for me simultaneously. I've got protein, I've got omega-3 fatty acids, I have calcium as well from the little bones in there. So, yeah, sardines are good. Yeah. <laughs> I love them, you know, crack that can open. you don't open. really
0: know how many omega-3s are in there. Like, I don't think there would be over a gram of omega-3. Mm,
1: yeah. So what I actually did for that can is I slightly estimated a little bit. Sure, I'm going to admit this isn't 100% accurate. But for those cans of sardines, uh, it does say on the panel that it only has two grams of fat. But anyone with some idea around macros or nutrition would crack one of those cans open. You know, you go to lick the lid and you're like, man, I'm licking off way more than two grams of fat right now. (laughs) So there's definitely more fish oils in that can. So I actually made my own little entry for it because all of the cans have just been standardized. Whenever I open them, I'm like, yeah, this is the same fish fillets and about the same amount of oils. I just made it 20 grams of protein and six grams of fat and lo and behold sardines do not have any carbohydrates in them <laughs> and i just made my own little entry on my fitness pal and i've just kept that consistent and hey you know been dropping the weight
0: mm, yeah probably because you've overestimated the fat
1: no <laughs> no i'm telling you i think exactly six grams right. <laughs> no, but oh, they that does, definitely does taste good and I, I know lawrence you know you think it's disrespectful and all that to take canned fish on a flight but tomorrow i am leaving for japan and i do plan on cracking open a can of sardines so sorry to, to anyone that's sitting next to me but girls has got to get her protein and omega threes in
0: mm, yeah well, at least i won't <laughs> be sitting next to you that on this occasion
1: <laughs> no shame <laughs> do what you gotta do i love i love my canned fish
0: No shame or consideration, I
1: guess. (laughs) I am a very nice person, okay? But hey, when it comes to getting in my protein feedings, I will go to all lengths, no matter what altitude I'm at.
0: (laughs) You could go to the bathroom and eat them.
1: Yeah. Oh, that would be considerate. Yeah, maybe I'll do that. Mm. And then I'll come out of the bathroom. Someone else will come in and be like, what the hell? Like did this person just <laughs> pass some sort of bowel movement, or <laughs> or go pee, and like it literally just stinks like fish in here. I don't know if I'd actually want to. Yeah, which one would be worse? Really like congregating that smell in a little plane cubicle, or to actually just let it ventilate throughout the plane.
0: Probably the latter.
1: Yeah. Mm, yeah. Well then I'm very inconsiderate to all hundreds of people on the flight.
0: If you would like to ask us a podcast question, make sure to be following our Instagram at the bodybuilding dietitians, where we release regular informative content on nutrition, training and bodybuilding topics. We also ask for podcast questions on a regular basis. We'll see you there. Well, I guess to wrap this up, why don't you uh, tell people about your Japan trip and also the plans for the maintenance phase?
1: Yeah, so I guess that's a big thing, right? What's next? So I'm entering into this maintenance phase from tomorrow. As we know, Joey Cantlin's my coach and he's planned that out all for me and has given me some targets. And basically my current macros are 140 protein, 180 carb, and 40 fat. And Joey bumped me up, believe this or not, 350 carb. 55 grams of fat, and then keeping protein at 140 grams. And I'm not gonna lie, I replied to that check-in, and I was like, "Hot dang, <laughs> this is a lot more food than I was expecting." But you know what? I'll, I will totally take it. Uh, so it is gonna be about an 800 calorie jump up, which you know what makes sense. Joey, very smart guy, because. <laughs> right now, considering like the the amount of a deficit that I'm in dropping down to these mid 1600 calories, you know, weight has dropped by 800 grams in this past week alone. And given that prior to starting this dieting phase, I was maintaining on over 2,800 calories. And now these new macros have me sitting in like the mid 2400s, I think it's pretty on the money, you know, so going um, up to those macros starting from tomorrow. And then for this next week, I've just wrapped up this final week of my mesocycle. During these past 11 weeks, basically completed two mesocycles with a deload in between. But next week will be a deload for me in Japan, which is pretty appropriate. You know, I'll be uh, training there with the bikini girls that I'm traveling with and a whole bunch of other Aussie competitors and other international competitors and everything. It's going to be such a vibe over there in Japan for the amateur Olympia. Uh, But it just makes sense, you know, if it lines up well with your timeline to run a deload if you're doing a trip like that, because it's an unfamiliar gym, you know, we'll be traveling, we'll be walking a lot, racking up a lot of step counts. And when you're traveling, sometimes it's just pretty hard to really stick to your exact training program and really match intensities, match the same movement patterns. Because, heck, we train at rigs for our leg days and I'm not entirely sure if the gyms over there in Japan will have things like a true squat or a power squat machine. All those things that I'm accustomed to because I think that that's really, really important in terms of truly being able to maintain adequate intensity and really know in your heart of hearts that you are maintaining your strength is when you are dieting have yourself on a training program that's pretty freaking set for the most part and try to get yourself established at a gym where you're consistently using the exact same equipment because if you're always chopping and changing either one, you know, if you're going to a different gym that always has a different smith machine with a different resistance or a different hack squatter, you name it, any sort of machines that have varying resistances or, you know, you're changing your training program every couple of weeks, How do you truly know that you are actually matching that same level of intensity that you really were giving in the improvement season? I think that's super duper important to be able to standardize that.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Because we know in prep, like just, you know, picking up a 20 kilo plate, sometimes some days it feels heavy. It takes energy. So it would be very easy to justify things to be like, oh, doing my chest press on this feels just as hard. (laughs) Yeah, Mm. right. (laughs)
0: Yeah, most like might feel as hard, but it's not quite the same intensity as before.
1: Exactly right. Yeah, so deloading next week and uh, yeah, running those macros. And then we basically plan to stay in this maintenance phase until the end of the year and then restart prep on the 1st of January next year. So it's going to be about six weeks or so. Keeping my body weight, the whole goal is to obviously stay within a buffer range of about 500 grams or so. And I'm pretty confident I can do that because last year when I wrapped up in mini cut, I was actually able to do that for about 12 weeks where I got my calories up by an additional thousand and I was maintaining a body weight within a 500 gram buffer range. I felt really good, I felt really healthy. Training performance was through the roof. So that's what I'm really looking forward to. In, uh i'm also really looking forward to the physique changes too because it's interesting like the, throughout this entire prep i've definitely i haven't had any poor body image days you know i started off my prep in a position where i'd say pretty good starting point but just instilled with a lot of just self-confidence you know i felt really good in my body composition and just in my mind and with who i am very happy you know but i started off in a good position and then it just continued to enhance and it just kept getting better every single morning when i'm posing i'm seeing new little details come out i'm seeing myself improve it's so so motivating but i've just continuously been on this kind of journey of just progression and self-improvement which is amazing and i started in that position now it's even better but um two things i'm like i'm in two minds about it one I know what it feels like to be under muscled and that almost kind of like fat and flat stage where you start a dieting phase and because carbs have been dropped quite dramatically, like you're just not getting a pump in the gym and also you still have a decent amount of body fat on you. So you're like, I legitimately looked better in the improvement season, even though I've maybe lost two kilos or so, but I actually haven't experienced that these past 11 weeks in the case of like, because i have the most muscle mass on me i've ever had in my life i've i've always been able to still see my physique in the gym and i've also been still getting very very good pumps as well which is awesome so good pumps but on the flip side too uh i say i'm getting good pumps but i also know that i am on 180 grams carbs right now so i know that i could be even more pumped. So that's what I'm really looking forward to in these coming weeks where I wash away a bit of diet fatigue, any inflammation that is sticking around, but also getting more glycogen back into my system, really just rejuvenating myself, getting training performance into just a fantastic spot. And then when we enter into prep again, come January, hit the ground running and uh, it should be a really fantastic place to start off from. And I think that I'll be quite responsive again to a calorie deficit because if we would have just kept pushing right now, you know, I, I'm on 180 carb now, but if we just kept dieting for another 14 weeks, if that's when the show is going to be, I probably would have had to keep dipping lower and lower and lower. But because we're taking a bit of this extended diet break, hopefully you know I am going to be able to maintain in these 63s somewhere in the realm of two and a half thousand calories then when I drop back down to let's say 1700 calories or so come January, hopefully I'm just as responsive. That is the ultimate goal.
0: Mm -hmm. Cool. And a final question for you is any, I know you've sort of talked this up to be, it's all been sunshine and rainbows, but any sort of negative symptoms or anything negative about the experience so far?
1: Yeah. So I'm not gonna lie, it has been incredibly enjoyable, very, very smooth sailing. And I think that is just a testament to planning it out so far in advance and just being able to remain in a very good headspace throughout and happily doing the work. But I'm not gonna sit here and say that I haven't experienced any sort of dieting symptom in the slightest. I think that, you know, these past number of weeks, uh, slowly but surely my sleep has started to become a little bit compromised. I know that at the end of the improvement season, at the beginning of this dieting phase two, I was going to bed as per normal around 8 30 p.m. and then I wouldn't wake up at all during the night and I actually had to set myself an alarm at 5 45 in the morning because I needed to get up <laughs> because If I was actually starting to sleep for even longer, like I was starting to sleep all the way until like 6.15 or 6.30, which you know more sleep is fantastic, but I knew that I needed to get up and I needed to start my day. Otherwise, you you just start the day and you're just like, oh God, I feel like I'm a little bit behind. So, So I was getting many, many hours of sleep, close to about eight and a half to nine hours every single night. But as the weeks have continued, My sleep has been a little bit compromised. Still going to bed at the exact same time, but my body is starting to wake me up during the night, anywhere between like one to 3 p.m to go to the bathroom and pee. But also I haven't been able to fall back asleep immediately either. So I have just had to try to make myself a bit sleepy. So I have a Kindle that I read before bed every night as well. But usually I'll just read for about half an hour or so until I start to get drowsy again and then I fall asleep. So sleep's been a little bit compromised on that front. So I've probably been losing about an hour of sleep compared to previous every single night. But I'm hopeful that with more calories back in me that my sleep quality should improve over these number of weeks ahead. But at the same time, maybe not because it's interesting because I'm not necessarily sure if it's a calorie related thing because you have to think about in terms of calories, I wasn't experiencing those sort of sleep symptoms for probably the first 75% of prep despite eating the exact same amount of food. But then these final few weeks, you know, like we only did a hundred calorie nudge in the last week, but this has been happening for a few weeks now, like it's, it was still the exact same amount of energy, the same foods coming into my system. So what I'm trying to get at there is it might be a body composition related thing, which is very normal. When people start to get leaner, their body naturally wakes them up during the middle of the night. So if it's not addressed simply just through getting my calories back up, then I think I'll probably have to start to implement some interventions, potentially implementing things like having some glycine or some ashwagandha, maybe a bit of melatonin, but we'll cross that bridge when we come to it.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it was good of you to outline the the single negative so far.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, I guess it wasn't probably just only that one thing. I think over these past few weeks as well, again, I think it's body composition related. The last time that I was in the 62 kilos, that was back in 2021 when I was reversing out of our past prep. So it has been a number of years since I've been this lean. Uh, So what I actually started to experience Jack in the gym was just feeling a little bit overstimulated. Still following my exact same routine in terms of I have one coffee in the morning and then a few hours later I have some pre-workout and then I go to the gym. I think naturally just being a smaller body composition and actually still having the same dose of pre-workout, maybe a little bit more sensitive to that caffeine But I found that at some points during my training, like if I had blaring music in my ears and I was about to attempt a very anxiety provoking lift and I just had a lot of things on my mind, I would just feel a little bit anxious and a little bit overstimulated. So these past number of weeks, what I've actually done is I haven't listened to my own music. (laughs) I have been listening just to the gym music, but luckily Riggs plays very good music. And if you ever want something to be playing by your choice then you can just ask them to turn it on on spotify but they play very good gym music compared to your average commercial gym so i'm very happy listening to some old school hip-hop and uh, some lincoln park it, it, it's always good that's kind of what i have in my playlist anyway so i found that's been really beneficial to actually just focus on the task at hand just purely put my phone in my bag unless i'm taking some instagram footage and not listen to my own music and purely just focus on the training session that's been a really big thing as well or just getting little unpleasant rushes of anxiety throughout the day uh they come and go and sometimes you can just never pinpoint them everything can be perfectly fine in life the sun can be out you know like everything's hunky-dory but i know there's been a number of times i've said to you where i'm just like Oh, I'm just, I'm feeling a little bit anxious, I'm not feeling very good right now, but I just have to breathe through my nose, I just have to gather myself, and I find that just really, just focusing on my work and distracting myself, that's why I'm so grateful that I call my clients, because then when I go into my check-in calls, it goes away, I'm not thinking about that, I'm not feeling like that anymore. And that's a big thing, I think, too, is that if you are ever getting sort of just those feelings of being a little bit anxious or overwhelmed just out of the blue, and I'm sure other people do feel like that as well, it can be very tempting to close yourself off and, you know, just want to essentially be in your own head, be alone. Maybe if you have meetings or, you know, you're scheduled to see someone you want to cancel because you're just like, I just don't feel like it right now. But I'm telling you, actually speaking to someone, no matter what the conversation is about, but just like kind of that social aspect of communication really can just calm you down, bring you back down to earth and um, makes you feel a lot better. So those are a few things. And I think those are all, yeah, just diet related symptoms. Nothing drastic, but uh, yeah, for the most part, it's been fabulous.
0: Mm. Yeah, I still think it was worthwhile to um, outline those. So thank you.
1: Yeah. My pleasure. Thank you very much for the interview today.
0: (laughs) Great. So we'll wrap things up here and uh, we'll finish off with a final question, which is something that we want to improve this week.
1: Well, Jack, given that you are still in the improvement season, what is something you want to improve this week?
0: I want to improve on our grass in our backyard.
1: (laughs) Grass or grass?
0: Grass for sure. (laughs) Which has been a bit patchy lately because it's been so hot. So we need to um, give it some more TLC so it can grow. Mm-hmm. It doesn't help that the dogs are out there a lot as well.
1: Yeah, well, I know that you know you've been on a deload this past week and took one of your rest days as an opportunity to head over to Bunnings and you know you were even a bit of a gardener yesterday out there weeding and mowing and sprinkling grass seeds you know, and and watering the lawn. It was, it was quite the sight for sore eyes.
0: Mm. Yeah. Not the most uh, efficient use of my time, but it's someone had to do it Mm. I mean, other than a gardener.
1: I think it's good. I think it's actually really good to do those sort of things when you are on a deload, if you're having rest days and you know, you still accomplish everything that you need to get done from a work front. But if you're not spending those few hours at the gym, those are a few hours then in your day, which is a nice opportunity to get little things done around the house, but also do something active in some way. So Mm.
0: It's more that I don't know whether it's gonna work. We'll have to see.
1: Have faith. You, The seeds are out on the grass, the dogs are inside, and also we've got like many days of rain ahead, at least here in Queensland, not in Japan.
0: Mm. <laughs> what about you though?
1: Yeah, well, this coming week, I would love to improve my glycogen stores. I'm um, really looking forward to just having a little bit more glycogen synthesis going on in this bot over here. And, yeah, I think that's what I'm looking forward to, is just getting a bit of a sick pump. And, yeah, I'm just uh, also really looking forward to Japan, to be honest. Like, Mm -hmm. leave tomorrow, 6 a.m. Chloe and I have had this trip planned for well over a year. And uh, I'm really, really excited to be traveling over there. We're going with another one of our bikini girlfriends, Candy. And we're just gonna be over in Japan for the whole week sightseeing. And Chloe's in her peak week because she's doing her very first international show. It's the Japan Amateur Olympia. So the amateurs will be on the Saturday and then the pros on the Sunday. And it's just gonna be such a wicked event. Like it's my first international IFBB show. And it should be so cool as well to watch the pro show on the Sunday because with the Olympia just being two weeks ago, there's a lot of Olympians that are now going to these shows again because they're trying to requalify for next year's Olympia. Plus, they're professional athletes. You know, they generally compete year-round. People like Ash K. So even we're going to be seeing Ashley Kaltwasser in person on that bikini stage and probably a lot of other IFBB professionals and I'm just psyched, man. It's going to be such a good week ahead, and um, I'm just feeling so good. And it's come at such a good time, you know, like this entire season wrapped up. I just feel like, oh gosh, that combined with just accomplishing this first phase of prep, it does have me feeling just really just accomplished. And I'm just like, this feels rewarding. Like, like this mini work holiday in Japan.
0: Mm. Yeah. Well, I'm... gonna enjoy the uh, house to myself
1: (laughs) it is it is a big house to enjoy to yourself but i'll make sure to facetime sure luckily you've got two two fur friends that uh really really do love your company and i know you love theirs
0: i think it'll be the um the most time that we've been apart in our seven and a half years together as well
1: i think so too yeah a whole eight days yeah okay guys well thank you so much for tuning in to our podcast today if you did enjoy it please remember to take a screenshot post it to your instagram stories tag jack tag myself tag tbd and we'll catch you in the next episode